Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance, Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. <laughs> Hi, 50 Ishers. It's Mel and Trish, hosts of the Don't Give a Fi- Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women. What are you redoing? I think we just go with the first option. It'd be awesome. And Don't Give a 50 Like Us. Yes, I completely made an omelette of my love first it. Love it. Love it. Moving on. We're going to keep that all together. I hope not. Moving on. So, Marg Kenzie wrote in and gave us a five-star rating and a Thanks, review. Thanks, Marg Kenzie. I know, recently. So, she said, I'm actually a don't give a 60-year-old listener and absolutely love you girls. You make my morning walk so much fun with your banter and carry-on. There's a bit of your carry-on there is, Marg. <laughs> there is. Your guest in episode 84, Kelly Lowry, was brilliant. Oh she my is God, so I funny. love her. And she really must do her stand-up comedy course that you encouraged her to do. So, keep up the good work, girls. I love your choice of guests, the topic you cover, topics, sorry, and the way you go where others wouldn't dare. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mark. You're 60 and legend. 
But sometimes I wonder if I should go where others don't dare. (laughs) (laughs) So please take the time to rate and review. It helps us enormously with stats, as we've mentioned before, and also helps other would-be 50-ishers find us. Yes, please share it. The more the better. Keep them coming in, and thanks so much again to those who have already done so. So, Trish, we just... That's why I didn't become an English teacher. (laughs) Trish is heckling me. I'll just do it, and I'll just put in a couple of... (laughs) Please do. <laughs> Trisha and I are having all sorts of trouble this morning because we're heckling each other. But we have just had such a wonderful chat with the director of philanthropy at the Life You Can Save charity organisation. Her name's now Louise I know Pfeiffer. Why you wanted me to read that part? Because you wanted to see if I could say that word. No, or not. <laughs> I just had to remember that. It's not even written down. I'm just rolling with it well, at the you're moment. Doing very well. Thank but you. What? An amazing yeah, woman. And yeah. I don't, I'm joking around and being silly, but there is nothing silly mm. about what she does. No, she is driven, a force. motivated. Yeah, yeah, a very calm. It's a force of nature in what she's doing and wanting to achieve with her work, but she has a very calm presence. She's just extraordinary, extremely well educated, and she's now investing all of her skills into her current line of work, which is the director of philanthropy at The Life You Can Save. And it's like a curated charity where they do a lot of research and they put together on their website different charities with a like an impact calculator, Trish. That's what really interested oh, me, where you can, they'll calculate like dollar for dollar, like down to the lowest denominator of your donation. Yeah. And where it goes. Don't be, in, like I was thinking, oh, this curating and director of philanthropy and whatnot, I was thinking, oh, well, it, Mm. Wouldn't really. I don't give. I give to charity, but potentially not that much. So mm. poten- that might mm. not be for me. But, but it is. It's for it, you. Mm. Get your kids on and go. Okay, you've get this much pocket money. Yeah. Let's donate five dollars. These are all the charities. Mm. This is what they do. This is what that five dollars. This is how the it will impact their yeah, lives. Yeah. And you can make that yeah. choice. And I love too that. We spoke about this so much, but because there's so much scamming and whatnot now, the charities yeah. that call on the phone and you mm. don't want to give your credit card details exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. Even online, yeah. people just don't want to do that anymore. No, it's they It's nice don't. to know that, okay, I know that if I'm going to, if I've got some money that I want to allocate to charity, mm. this is the one I can do it. And yeah. I know that they've vetted all of these ones and I yeah. know that this money's going to make it through to them. Oh, absolutely. So, Louise, yeah. amongst amazing other things she's achieved in her life, is going to tell us all about. Oh, including entering the political ring. So let's just throw that one oh in there gosh. as well. So she's a very, well, she's a smart girl and yes. uh, we really enjoyed our chat with her. It was it yeah. was great. And Trish and I, we learned a lot, very didn't we? Very down to earth as well, mm, which is yeah. nice. Lovely, lovely girl. Yeah, and we do say this in the podcast, but Mel and I are both glad that there's people like Louise in mm. the world doing what they do. Yeah, she's extraordinary. Here's Louise. Hi, Louise. Welcome to Don't Give a 50. It's great to have you with us, albeit virtually. Thanks, Mel. Nice to be here. Hi, Trish. Hello. Look, we're going to just jump straight in to the chat because we're very keen to get to know you a bit better and what you do. Louise, you're the Director of Philanthropy at The Life You Can Save, and I did a bit of snooping around and found the concept of effective altruism fascinating. So can you Mm. tell us more about... I'm so glad you started that because I think that I would have had trouble with a few of those... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so please tell. I'm curious. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the I first came across the idea of effective altruism in the book, The Life You Can Save, written by Peter Singer, which is now the name of the organisation where I now work. But this was back in 2011 when I first read the book. And he touched on these ideas that there's a lot of people that want to do good in the world, but how, what tools or resources can we tap into to make sure that we are doing the most good? And shouldn't we be thinking really hard about our own scarce resources and how we can apply them to do have some kind of a positive social impact? So that could be financial resources. So when you're donating, how can you identify charities that are the most cost effective and improve the lowest, the most lives, human lives per dollar? Or alternatively, it could be to do with your own career capital. How can you apply your skills or potentially steer your studies in a certain direction so that you are going to be able to help solve some global priorities. So, you know, some of the big issues that are facing the world today. Yep. So it's really about using rationality, evidence and reason to make decisions about financial resources or your career capital. Yeah. In layman's turn, how to get the most bang for your buck. Two birds with one That's stone. It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so he actually coined, he coined the term effective altruism. I'd have to go back and reread the book. He is definitely okay. credited as being one of the founding fathers of this idea of effective altruism. Mm. But in the original, so there's two versions of the book. So I read the original mm. and he mentioned this organisation called GiveWell, which had just started up about in the early 2000s as well. And GiveWell was started up by some hedge fund managers who'd made all this money. They go, we don't need all this money. This is silly. Yep. How can we give it away and do some good in the world? And just like you would go to a financial advisor or a stockbroker and say, hey, what are the best stocks to invest in or what's the best framework that I can apply to achieve my investing goals or my wealth creation goals? Yep. They found that there was nothing equivalent in the space of people going to say, okay, how do I oh, get okay. the biggest yeah. bang for my buck? And they found there wasn't that analysis and research sitting behind, I guess, a large pool of charities to identify which were going to be the best to meet your giving goals, which, you know, or to have the best impact on the highest number of lives. And so they started up GiveWell, which is a, essentially a charity evaluator. Louise, so back then. I so just- love this concept because the, I get so many frustrations, but I also know that they're possibly unfair assumptions because I I hate it when, and I have seen a documentary on Netflix, it's the charities that you're buying tickets for and running. And I know when I worked in radio promotions and marketing and we would do different events and whatnot, and I remember when charities were pitching to us and they would be like, can I take you out to dinner or to lunch? And they'd take you to this fancy restaurant. And I'd be thinking, no, that doesn't sit right with me because we're doing this to make money, but yet sometimes to make money, you have to spend money. Mm. Does that make sense? I know that running a charity would be a very expensive business, but Mm. I like the idea Mm. of going to a fund and they go, okay, these are the people, takes that a little bit of that decision-making out. And what also Mm. frustrates me is I don't like cold calls. And Mm. quite a lot of the charities, their their, their MO is a cold call to call, whether it be the guide dogs, the whomever. Mm. And I know Mm. with recently my mum is, I've just put her into, or not, I haven't put her in, she has moved into Mm. an aged care facility. But when I would be at her house, she would get, nearly every time I was there, there would be a call 
for a charity asking if they'd like to make the next donation, if you'd like to buy a ticket and whatnot. Mm. And they feel mm. overwhelmed and like they'd like to help. So here's my gorgeous mother giving out credit card details on the phone all the time. Yeah. Mm. Hey, Mum, there's too mm. many scams around. You cannot do this now. Mm. So I think mm. that having a place to go that takes all mm. of that out of it for you and even to be say, I have donated, I have an amount that I give to charity and this is how I do it, takes that whole angst out of everything. Is that kind of, mm. does that encapsulate mm. what it's about or is that kind of a bit That's too what, low end? Yeah, yeah, part, uh, yeah, definitely. The Life You Can Save, the book that I mentioned is now the organisation where I work and what we do now is we've taken some of those ideas from the book, which is how can we create a list of charities that people can be very confident they are going to be not just cost effective, but someone has done the due diligence on them that knows what they're doing because we exclusively recommend charities that are doing work with people that, who live in extreme poverty, which is defined by the World Bank as people living on under, it's about $3 Australian a day. And that's wow. what $3 in Australia would buy you. So that's after adjusting for this financial term called purchasing power parity. So what we've done is we've gone and vetted a, a number of charities. We've got in Australia about 24 on our recommended list, mm. of which we've done the due diligence on. And what I also love as a former financial advisor is we have an impact calculator on our website so people can go on there if they're thinking of donating coming up to end of financial year say okay I've got $100 to donate or $500 if I gave it to this charity on your list Village Enterprise or One Acre Fund or you can read all about them on our website we've quantified what the impact will have on someone who lives in poverty and I find that fantastic because yep, uh, just in yes. financial terms people you can get a return on your investment this is about quantifying the return on your Donation, donation. Dollar, mm. uh, which can, which people will be astounded about how much good you can do with a very small amount of money. Louise, I'm a very, but it's very big. I'm a very visual person as well, so it's like mm. when I read that, I can then picture in my head mm. what's happening, and I think that's powerful for people as well. And I know that I think the due diligence is such a good thing. So I mentioned that documentary, I think it was Netflix or something, and it was this the charities that are based in the supermarket selling tickets, et cetera, et cetera, and then the incentives mm. for the sales. And it's not a great job, so somebody has to do it. But then mm. it was showed these big conferences and the big kind of incentives mm. that were happening for the most ticket sales and it just was disproportionate of what they were trying to achieve yeah so I love mm. that that I think that what you're doing is great yeah thank you can I jump back to something you mentioned about guide dogs in relation to the the phone calls and things like that one of the examples in the book and this actually brings the concept of effective altruism to life is that in Australia, to train a guide dog to help someone who is blind for the cost of raising that puppy and training them to be an assistance dog is around somewhere between twenty-five and forty thousand Australian wow. dollars to yeah. train one guide dog. Whereas, if you look at how many cases of blindness you can prevent through an equivalent donation to the Fred Hollows Foundation, we're talking about hundreds of people yeah. who could have blindness prevented for that very same amount of training one single guide dog. And that's like a core concept, a core way to bring to life what effective altruism is about. It's should we help one person who, with, who's blind in Australia with paying for a guide dog or can't, should we be helping 400 people through preventing blindness? And it's around that idea of social justice and all yeah. human lives are equal. Thought, and, very thought-provoking. Uh, yeah. 
Mm. So can you give us another example of, you mentioned before about the, there's an impact calculator on the website and where mm. you quantify the impact of donations. So can you give us a, like an example, like another example of that? Is it like, like those something ones that where it goes, feeds a village for or? I don't know. You know how Louise said you'd be surprised? I'm really interested to mm. know. Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple of examples here. One of the charities we recommend is called One Acre Fund. And what they do is they train small land holders to improve their yields through certain kinds of training or different seeds and other things like that. I don't pretend to be an agricultural specialist, but what I look at is the outcome. And they've calculated that for every dollar donated to the One Acre Fund, it increases the income of that farmer and their family to $2.70. So doubling their output and yield and their income for their mm. family through, and so scale that up to $1,000, it means that $2,700 in value will be created. Another example will be, we've recently added a charity to our list called Educate Girls. And what they do is they go around to, there's about 5 million primary school age children, uh, girls in India that don't go to school, mm. to primary school. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But yep. what we know is that schooling, is very important for reducing cases of HIV, reducing family sizes, for improving their long-term economic output, all of these, all, all these things. Yep. But $100 Australian will enable them to reach two girls and get them back to school through their network of workers and volunteers that are really passionate about getting um, girls the, I guess, their human right of education. Yep. And then another example will be $10 to one of our charities called Living Goods. And they're all about preventing. There's 5 million children that die every year before their fifth birthday globally. That number is truly staggering. And Mm. we just can't see that here in Australia. We have got vaccines that are given to our children and in hospital and beyond. And it's all free, basically free. So $10 to living goods will enable them to reach to children and families over the course of the year with their community health care workers and prevent some of these deaths as well through the distribution of vaccines or other kinds of health interventions. So there's just a few examples. So the types of impact are wide reaching, but yeah, it's worth having a play around. and For sure. What, so what is, is the life you can save, is it a global charity or is there, are there any Australian charities on there as well? Or how does it work? In yeah, so in, in Australia, we are a public, we're a charity in Australia. So the life you can save is a charity in Australia. We have an entity in the US as well, and they're also a charity. And then, But we are a global organisation. And what we are trying to do is to encourage people to look beyond our own borders, people that live in high-income countries, and yep. donate to people that live in extreme poverty, of which there are 700 million people on yeah. this planet. And like in the past 20 years, that number's halved, right? So it used to be 1.4 billion people living on $3 a day, Australian in today's dollars. But today it's 700 million, which is still a lot. And Mm. that means all their basic needs are not being met. So we don't recommend Australian charities because we're a very wealthy country. There's a lot of, most donor dollars already go to Australian charities. Yep. We're encouraging people to look for a greater return on their donor dollar, but also to help those people that are living in destitution. Louise, you mentioned that we are making progress in this area. And how do you feel that it is going? What's the trajectory of it. Yeah, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, like it slowed, like we would have expected another, I think about 70 million people to have come out of extreme poverty in the past couple of years, yep. but they haven't because of the disruption mm. of the pandemic. It's that is amazing all, numbers, wide-ranging isn't it? negative impacts for people mm. living in poverty. Yeah, so it's kind of stalled. 
Have you actually, through your role with the company, with the charity, been to the kind of the front lines of some of these charities to see the difference that it has made? No, not yet. I've only been with the Life You Can Save a very short time. So that we have our research team visit the charities that we recommend and they go and view the work that they're doing on the ground. But I've had many meetings with our charity partners and those that are working on the ground, such as Give Directly. They've got their program lead. They Give Directly actually facilitates direct cash transfers to people living in poverty through oh, mobile phone yes, technology, wow. which is really quite extraordinary. Isn't it? I've had conversations with her, and we pres- we often hold webinars where we have those frontline workers speaking at webinars that we host, so that donors can feel more connected to the yeah the program officers or those. That's who amazing because I know that speaking of Australian-based charities and all of that sort of thing, like I live in the Lockyer Valley, so years ago there was lots of the flooding there and there was all the drives to get the money and then being out there it was like hang on there was some locals that weren't in this district and then the money went here and like for that mm. the people who actually need it at that time to get the funds filtered there's a big mm. that needs to be fixed and what you're saying is that is happening with this organization which I love because it's like almost remember the fires and the Celeste Barber was mm. brilliant at that it all started that viral campaign and mm. yet all that money went to the rural fire brigade. It was great. But I mm. think people overseas thought that they were giving to specifically saving the koalas and these people rebuilding their houses. Now, the rural fire brigade is a great thing, but mm. I think people actually thought they were giving their money. And I don't I think Celeste was doing a very heartfelt thing and like that wasn't mm. her intention. It just got all a bit pear shaped. So to know that there's someone doing the due diligence and that line of donation Mm. is getting, the cash is getting to the person that needs it, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, and that's one of the hugely valuable things about The Life You Can Save is that anyone who donates to us, our Australian entity, gets that tax deduction. They can say, I want to donate to this particular charity, knowing that hard work has been done. But without, I don't know how technical you want to go, but a number of our charities, they run randomised controlled trials as well, where they show that whatever intervention they might be delivering, they can compare that against another village that doesn't have that intervention, and then they can compare and see what kind of Mm. good it's doing, I guess. It just not seems like it's a controlled environment and yeah, Yeah. takes that concern from you. You go, okay, I'm going to make sure I want to make a difference to the world. I've got X amount of dollars in the budget, whether it be small amount, big amount, whatever you personally are able Mm. to do. But I know that this company is going to put it in the right direction. You might even go, okay, I want to help the world. Here's my amount for the world, but I'm also concerned about it. Someone at home and I can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's sort of, I read that it's, it's yeah. curated, isn't it? The, the life yeah. you can save. Yeah. So it's a nice place to go because yeah. all the research is done, the due diligence is done. You, you, like you said, Trish, you can donate with more confidence. Yeah. I think Louise, as well. How did you get into this? I just think it would be such a worthwhile, fulfilling career. When you oh, tell people I, what do um, you do, sometimes you go, you're changing the world, Louise. You're changing the world. I'm glad. Yeah, Thank I'm you. Sorry. I am really grateful for people like you. Me too. Oh, thank you. Honestly, like it is such a, it's, it's really great when someone says, what do you do? And I can just open with, I love my job yeah. because it is so aligned to my values of wanting to reduce the suffering in the world. And so to answer your question, to backtrack, this all started back at university. So back in the 90s, I undertook an arts degree and I majored in psychology, but minored in philosophy. And that's when I studied ethics. Oh, that and, would be a um, very intriguing degree. 
Yeah, it was that was really interesting. It was a general, gen, general. I'm having trouble saying that word. Generalist degree. Right, I do like, it all I the time. Out what I'm going to do? Yeah, generalist. <laughs> uh, but I thought that my idea was I'll do an arts degree and I'll go and do law. But when I finished my arts degree, I moved to Sydney and ended up in financial services. But studying ethics at back in the 90s, Peter Singer, who wrote this book, The Life You Can Save, it hadn't yet been published, was his book, Practical Ethics, was the main textbook for the subject ethics. This idea of morality and affluence was discussed, but I think some of his other work influenced me more at that time. But I was always very curious about, I followed, if he had new books coming out, I'd be very interested to read them. But I did end up in financial services. So I ended up building a career in relationship management, my fund management, retail banking. I did postgraduate studies to, as a financial advisor. I worked as a business development manager for a fund manager. That's why I often use language that's very finance related. I completed an MBA at Melbourne Business School. So not much, really. While I was think- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the while I was thinking, eventually I'm going to find a job that's not in the capitalist system. It's not about making yes. money. And financial services was really a good industry to be making a lot of money. Yeah. Intuitively, um, there was something at the back of your mind going, this is where I want to be one day. I'd, yeah, but I didn't know what it really looked like. So mm. after the birth of my first child, I was living in Melbourne then and... I did sit down and read this book, The Life You Can Say, that had come out the year before or something like that. And I sat down and I read it. And I think for me, after having a child, it just really just opened my mind. It's just, it's just such a world-changing experience. As in it changed, my mind was such a pivotal moment for you. Massive, yeah, shift in consciousness. And I read this book and I was really quite distraught at the, this idea that mothers in other countries had to choose between feeding themselves or their family or yeah. they suffered from a, a really bad pregnancy and ended up with fistula, which is this obstetric condition, which means that there's anal and bladder leakage and other yeah. things like that. It doesn't occur in our country. Yep. And I just found it so distressing and this idea of people not having their basic needs met. And I was living in Melbourne, in Australia, mm. and going, wow, oh my gosh. I just So the book really brought to life what it meant to live in poverty. And I started, I said to my husband, Phil, we've got to start giving to charities overseas. Like, right <laughs> immediately. Now. And, then, yeah. and we did. And we did, literally immediately, and, mm. and we did. But it, I was still in financial services at that time. But we went to, Phil and I went to the School of Life, which is a cafe in Melbourne. I don't know if it's still there now, but it's the suite of books written by the School of Life, which is philosophy for grown-ups. And they held this session on, on, on career choices because I had this baby from financial services. I'm going, I'm, sure, I'm not sure what I want to do next. So this was about 2012. I went along and this facilitator filled out a questionnaire. What are your skills? What are your passions? And at the end of it, it looked, he goes, you know what, given your financial advising back, all this stuff, I think you should be a philanthropist. What do you mean? He goes, I think you should be advising people and where they should donate their money. And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. But I didn't, couldn't really see it. Is it a thing? Yeah. Is it a thing? Kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit of a mythical job. That sounds great. Fast forward 10 years and the life you can save the book had become an organisation in Australia in 2019. Oh my and gosh. Last year, I love they the synchronicity. This job, which was director of philanthropy. Yeah, it was. It felt so serendipitous. And mm. what I loved about it was its job description was like someone with a financial advising background, which I had because I'd worked as a financial advisor before. And someone mission aligned. I'm like, I am. And everything, all the boxes ticked. And Mel and I how I ended up here. often mm. talk about how the synchronicities of life and how all of the things that you do and you don't realise at the time, but add up to all these skills that you use later on and you go, okay, now that makes sense. Like that pathway. Mm really makes sense yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Louise, you've actually just answered my next question because I was keen to know how you just saw Just before you do those. that, Mel, we'll just take a quick break 
and we'll be back soon. So, 50s Tribe, let us tell you about one of our little favourite shopping haunts. Sweet Charlotte Studio. So, they have two standalone stores on the Sunshine Coast. However, they have a really large online store. And this is important for all our 50-ishers who don't live on the sunny coast yes, and can't access. Like me. If you live remote <laughs> like me, it's very handy. The website itself is so easy to navigate and you may even recognise some of the models when you go on there. Yes, because Trish and I are on there quite <laughs> a lot, which is just an absolute thrill to do that. So yeah, if you jump online, you will see us. Staff are super helpful. So if you are shopping online, you can always give them a call or reach out. Also, they have Heaps of natural fibres, linens and silks and gorgeous relaxed styles that I absolutely love. Visit their website, sweetcharlottestudio.com.au to get 10% off your first order. Enter the code DGAF10. That's DGAF in capitals, 10. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So, Louise, you've just basically answered the my next question, which was how do you see your incredible qualifications working for you in your current role? But it was almost like it was suggested when you went to that session and this that facilitator put forward that idea for you and now you've brought it into being, which is must feel fantastic because you've got some pretty hefty – you're what we call a smart. Yes. Trish and I, we've got – We have a theory. Smart, smart there's, girls. There's dumb, dumb, dumb smart. Dumb, dumb, sounded smart. a bit cruel to start off with. Smart, smart. Oh, yeah, just there's dumb smarts, <laughs> smart smarts, and there's smart dumbs and dumb smarts. Dumb you said smarts that one anyway. So right, smarts. so you. So it's kind of like street smart. <laughs> street clearly, I'm not one of the smart smarts. <laughs> anyway, you're a smart. Yeah, we've decided you're a smart. But there you go. You've answered my question because yeah, there's some incredible qualifications. Not to mention your extensive experience in the financial. Realm. Competitive, yeah, what's it called? The financial services mm. sector. So, mm. yeah, it must be very satisfying. Oh, it is. I feel having this platform through the life you can save to uh, save lives. Some of those skills <laughs> that I've built up, mar- marketing skills and other things like that, just trying to achieve some kind of social change and be paid to do that, to do something, going to reduce suffering yeah. is really an extraordinary opportunity. I'm Made very grateful for that. Yeah, I love that. Louise, so it's probably ideal timing at the moment because the end of the financial 
year is looming. Everyone's kind of tax planning and trying to make sure that they've done the most that they can do to come out in the best possible place. So now Mm. if you did have any cash or whatnot, is a good time to donate Mm. getting in at the end of the financial year. What do people do or how do they do it? Do, you know, this sounds all very kind of highbrow, like it's only if you have a lot of money, but can just everyday people Mm. get on? Like how much is the kind of the starting platform? Where do we go? And is there options for everyone? Yeah. Yeah, what I love about the life you can save and what we do in terms of exclusively focusing on people who live in poverty is that you can make a difference with relatively small amounts of money. As I mentioned before, to someone who's living on $3 a day, if you gave them $10, like you are doubling their income for the yes. day or for that particular day, or if you gave $100, that sort of income, that's going to double or triple someone's income for a month who lives in extreme poverty. And as I mentioned before, Give Directly is one of those, one of the charities we recommend and they facilitate these direct cash transfers through mobile phone technology yeah. to literally so, end up in the hands of someone who needs yeah, the Does it that we donate, like do we go on to like your website and give the money to you or you facilitate all of these websites and we just choose from that list and then go directly to them how does that work no because okay so on our website we've got the details of all these charities so we've summarized what they do there's the option to click through and learn more and go into a lot more detail so all of the information is all collected on our website so it's all in in the one place Now, most of these charities aren't registered as a charity in Australia, which means that if you went and donated to One Acre Fund directly, for example, you wouldn't get a tax deduction. But if you donate through us, because we've got what's called DGR1 status, we are a tax deductible, it's called, we have deductible gift recipient status, which means if you donate to the life you can save, you're eligible for tax deduction. And that's normally dollar for dollar, isn't it? Or is that not correct? Yeah, that's right. We don't take a cut of that in in the spirit of transparency so that donors can, I guess, know that um, that their money is going to go straight through. Mm -hmm. We do ask that donors, I guess, consider that we spend money on research and staff to to do that research and to set up our portal and pay up for our back office. I love that transparent. Do you know what I mean? People Mm -hmm. go, yeah, fair enough. They're doing a good job and that costs money to do that job. That's fair enough. But I think when it's transparent, as you say, and it's upfront, you're so comfortable with it. So could yeah, I go on and go, okay, yeah. I've got $100. I've looked through all of these charities. I would like you to give mm. like a, like you go to $25. I want $25 to go yeah. to them, yeah. 10 to them, yeah. 5 yeah. to them. Wonderful. I can back it in the... I've got 50 cents. I want <laughs> five red, red frogs three and a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can definitely do all of that. So all donations are welcome and they all do go a long way to helping. Uh, That's brilliant. Poverty, but I would really love oh, I was people. Say, what we yeah. find, oh, sorry to interrupt. No, sorry, you sorry. go. I interrupted you. You go, please. Oh, I was, I was going to say that what we find though is some donors who are curious will go to our website and they'll see all these charities and go, they're all doing such amazing work. Mm. How do I decide? Great. And so, what we've actually got a questionnaire on our website that people can fill in, and it will pop some. out some charities that will align with particular, yeah. I guess, personality quiz. <laughs> No, I don't mean um, to lighten it down, yeah, but I know what you like mean. That, yeah, like a find your fit. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. And then we've also got what we developed called Cause Funds, which is we've got, we've taken our charities and we've put them into groups. So we've got one that's called Help Women and Girls. And so the charities that are on our recommended list that are primarily focused on helping women and girls in poverty, you can go to the Help Women and Girls Fund and just 
put your donation oh there and we'll just split it equally among the charities that are, are oh, very okay. much focused so on. So yeah, much no, I brilliant. love about this. And I, so much. I think just backing up on what a point that we were talking about before is that I think some a reason why people hesitate to donate is the lack of transparency and this sort of general idea mm. that's out in the community that the people that are most in need of the money end up with very little of it. So yeah. this, yeah, and, this is a like mm. a, a way of like getting rid of that doubt and securing yeah. your your donation, isn't it, in that sense? 100%. Yeah. Um, we want people to yeah. give with confidence and that's exactly Cor- what we're doing is we're removing that objection. To, Correct. Yeah, the yeah. 100%. Yeah. Louise, I feel like we need to move on to another part of your life that Trish and I are really interested in because you also have a political position as well and we haven't mm. had anyone on Don't Give a 50 that has had any role in politics I can't before, imagine so I just, why all the, pol- the yeah, policy makers and highbrow <laughs> Haven't been knocking down at all. Going, we want to talk to you girls <laughs> because it's such strong opinions. We, and so, well, yeah. we do have very strong opinions. Well, we, we represent a big niche of society. We, we do. We are midlifers. Mm-hmm. But so, in 2017, you decided it was time to step into the political ring. So you joined the Animal Justice Party that year. Then in 2018, you ran mm-hmm. in the South Australian state election as a candidate. Then as a lead candidate in the Senate in 2019. And following this, you mm-hmm. ran in last year's state and federal elections and you are now the vice president of the party. So that's oh, huge. Please. Wow. So not only are you smart, but you're getting stuff done. Like you are <laughs> holy guacamole. So just tell us a little bit about that and what do you most hope to achieve in your role? I mentioned this kind of actually comes back to effective altruism because I was at Career Crossroads when I was exiting my financial advising business. And 80, the Effective Altruism Group have got a sub-branch called 80,000 Hours, which is all about how do I spend my career capital? What roles or careers could have a really big impact? And they actually had politics on there. And I'd never really considered that. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Like, <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's everyone's first <laughs> impression. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think all of yeah. the Netflix series and everything, no. <laughs> no. The Diplomat, House no. of Cards, doesn't actually go, yep, that's an environment I want to be in. No, definitely not. But the but there there is using that evidence and reason of if you can end up in some kind of position Gosh, of power, yes. you can control a lot of money and spending and you can influence things for all the good. Brilliant. And kind of like, oh, okay. But keep in mind I knew nothing about politics, right? Like mm. literally my my husband was always really into politics, would watch insiders, all that kind of thing, and you'd start talking about it and I'd hear Barnum going on in my head. I just would just, just tune <laughs> yeah. out, not interested at White all. noise. But there was a but there was this pivotal moment. So going back to just after the birth of my first child, there was this footage that Animals Australia had released about the conditions of sheep on these live oh, Yes, I remember yep. seeing that. And they pulled everyone together for this rally. So this is 2011 or 2012, something like that. And so I was with my pram and my husband went to this giant rally. So many people, thousands and thousands of people. And it might be to say, yes, this trade has to stop. There's too much animal cruelty. It's terrible. Yep. Fast forward a few years and it was in the news again. The live export trade, more footage, more suffering of these poor animals on these death ships. Yep. And I said to Phil, I said, why hasn't this been banned? Like, we went to a rally. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for God's rally. sake, there was a rally. Didn't that change everything? Why hasn't it banned? It's yeah, yeah. Banned. And he explained to me, you know, oh, there's a lot of money there, da 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 da. And I'm like, process, this isn't okay. yeah. I'm not okay with this. I'm like, how do I get involved? I really want to agitate for change through the political system. So I joined the Animal Justice Party primarily not just for animal rights reasons, but also because they had really good environmental policies. And the Greens are unfortunately silent on the impact that animal agriculture has on the environment, which most people are 
very unaware of but the impact that cows have on the environment and so i joined the animal justice party and i said hey i've got some business skills i might be able to help with the upcoming election and then they asked me to run as a candidate and one thing was kind of led to another and snowballed but what's become apparent to me is that even though i'm a serial candidate i haven't yet been elected i've learned a lot through all of my work with the party. Yep. And one of the things that I was heavily involved in last year's elections for state and federal was I was involved in the negotiations with the other parties and doing an exchange oh, of that would be fascinating. exchange for outcomes for animals. Yeah. And I undertook this at both a state and federal level and secured some really significant wins for animals, despite not being elected. Yeah, the hustle behind the scenes, the positioning. Well done. Oh, well done you. That must have been really interesting. So that would have been a time when when all your skills were coming into play. Pretty much. It was a pretty, so the negotiation course that I took at business school was definitely, yes. definitely put into use during that time. And it's a pretty good, I'm very proud of what we achieved through that mm. yeah, exchange of political capital, which sounds a lot of technical words, but it meant that all the hard work of our members, candidates and volunteers resulted in some tangible outcomes. Brilliant. So, yeah, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, Louise, awesome. will you continue that campaign? Will you run the game? I'm not 100% sure, actually. I feel I'm still very heavily involved with the party. But through the last few years, I've been working on building our member community, identifying other people who might like to run as candidate yep. and things like that. So you find your, found your niche behind. I'm do, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to do behind the scenes work. Never say never. I probably will run again. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's I'm, interesting. I'm pretty, like, pretty happy with my current role too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and you've probably identified that potentially you can do just as much, if not more, without having that pressure of being the main person and the spotlight. Spot on. Yeah. Louise, why do you think the treatment of animals can't be separated from the health of our environment and the well-being of our community? Yeah, I mean, good question. It's it's not obvious at first, first glance, but this is something I've, I guess, studied and looked at in great detail, especially in relation to our election platform. So I mentioned before animal agriculture. Most people aren't aware of the damage cows are doing in particular. Like if you think about the Great Barrier Reef and up in the catchment area by the Great Barrier Reef and the tablelands, there's six million cows stomping around up there. People don't see that. And as a result of the deforestation through clearing the land for the cat that the cattle to be to reared, that's leading to biodiversity loss and species extinction, among other things. So not just in the Amazon, which we all hear about, but in Australia as well. Mm. And that's in turn leading to the Great Barrier Reef, like the sediment runoff, so the, the cows are stomping around, kicking up dirt, the sediment's ending up in the waterways, going down into the reef, it's leading to damaging the reef. Again, it's not really spoken about, even though it's been known for 30 years. Yeah. So there's that, there's also the methane that yep. comes off the cows and how that impacts the environment as well. So that's just some of the damage animal agriculture is causing to our environment, which isn't often spoken about. But in terms of our health as well, there's a couple of things. One is the abomination that is factory farming. So cramming chickens, like tens of thousands of chickens into multi-level factory farms in Australia. But we're talking like a billion chickens we eat a year in Australia or something like that. I think I've got that that statistic very wrong, but certainly I know it's two million a week in South Australia alone. We won't quote you. Wow. Yeah. We won't pull out this recording next time you run. We won't quote you for next time you're in a political run. We won't release it. (laughs) Louise said. Louise said. Oh, look, the number might be right. My brain is full sometimes. Yeah. I can't imagine why, Louise. Can't imagine why your brain's full, Louise. No, I'm astounded at two million chickens a week just in South Australia. Oh, my God. That's amazing. South Australia. 
and they're put in these terrible conditions yep. like yeah, you uh, pass which the are a breeding well, ground for and they're fed antibiotics to stop them from getting sick. They're pumped full of hormones to accelerate their growth so they can end up on the supermarket. It's just this really unnatural environment. And there is this really big fear. That's where the next superbug will come from. That you know, some kind of virus will be born in these conditions where these very stressed animals. You think COVID and how much of an impact that had. Imagine mm. a superbug that can't be cured by an antibiotics. And that's actually considered to be a larger risk than a lot of these other catastrophic risks that the scientists are talking about. The way we treat animals in these factory farming environments is can contribute to a future virus mm. that we can't control. So that's something that's also front of mind. And then there's the third aspect of the the fact that most people in Australia don't eat a lot of, of plant-based food. We eat a lot of meat and dairy and it's very much a Western diet and that leads to adverse health outcomes. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that a higher proportion of plants in one's diet will lead to a reduction of mortality of all causes. Yeah, so the more plants you eat, the better, which means less meat and dairy you're eating as well. So there, we don't have a really good mix there and that's contributing to things like heart disease, which is still the number one killer yep. and a variety of other problems that we have. Louise, mm. it seems like oh. you're solving a lot of world issues here. Yeah. Once again, thank no. you very much. <laughs> yeah, busy girl, huh? Yeah. Busy girl. Oh, gosh. Look, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm across a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, I feel trying to bring awareness to some issues. Yeah. Um, they the say it's the ripple are, effect. Yeah. Somebody's got to throw that pebble in the pond to start the ripple effect. Mm. So I love that you are. Mm-hmm. passionate and you are doing that and are making people aware and yeah I think that yeah, what you're you. doing is very admirable. So what's what's next yeah. for you Louise? Tell us where you're at what's next. Oh okay I'm really as I mentioned before the platform of the life you can save is something I'm extraordinarily honoured to have mm. I guess. I'm really keen to see if we can shift the needle on a culture of giving in Australia. Most people think that we give a lot to, to charities in general, but that's actually not true if you compare what we give in relation to pretty much any other country. Mm. So I'm really keen to see if talking, I guess, using this the ideas of the book of the life you can say that there are some really good charities out there that people can donate to and be very confident that they can do good if by sharing that message more widely and more effectively that helps people because most people are really they want to help other people like they've got this generosity that sits within them like they want to they just either they've got some objections that are there or they don't know how to i think it's just the overwhelm i think it's all of those little things just snowballs into overwhelm and that just stops you from where you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think it would be great. What we do is this is a great tool for kids, for jumping online with your kids and going, okay, you've got this much pocket money, you've got this much in the bank, mm. how about we take a small percentage of that, where would you like to donate it to? Starting that early. Mm. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that's such a great idea. And in fact, Mel, as a former school teacher, you might like appreciate this. So we're currently kicking off a project with Cool Australia, which is an organisation that designs curriculum content for teachers yeah, to download and brilliant. use in their lessons plans and so we're working with them to take some of the ideas from the book the life you can save and build some content for school teachers to use that's fantastic and, uh, that will feed into that conversation for children to then have yeah. with their parents or vice versa perfect and- they can even do their own little fundraiser at school and choose where yeah. they give it yeah love it well mm, done yeah, I love that. and also louise i think it is it goes back to what you're saying about shifting the needle it mm. and starting at the grassroots level so in your classroom that's your grassroots level that's the next generation and being educated yeah and that the kids go home mum and dad say what did you do at school today and that's when mm. they then they start talking about these things because it's something new it's fresh content mm. for them hopefully they're I all remember, sitting there with eager ears oh, no, i remember <laughs> when my kids went to school and we're sitting around the table 
table and go, what did you learn today? Do you know Jesus fed? <laughs> we go, oh, we had that lesson today. <laughs> I love it when they come home and teach you those things. Oh, goodness yeah. me. Louise, we've unfortunately run out of time. We've so enjoyed mm. your conversation. Such a fascinating life. Yeah. It's time for our wrap-up question. If you could go back in time, what would the fortish Louise what advice would she give her 20-ish year old self? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's really hard to know. I think, and I don't think I've got a very eloquent answer for this at all. I think it's along we the We do not eloquent. Of, that's fine. Follow, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's along the lines of follow your nose, follow okay. your passion, keep working on figuring out what, you know, my, what are your values? What are the things that you care deeply about? And well, not everyone can end up with a job with purpose. Yep. I, I feel very fortunate that this is where I've ended up. But if I hadn't, I guess, just kept chipping away and reading new things and being open to new ideas and reading books like this book, The Life You Can Save, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't have ended up where I was. So I think it was just keep an open mind and follow your nose. That's what no, I'm- I haven't read that book. Yeah, it did. It was beautiful. I haven't read that book, but you've got me very curious now. So I think I'm going to have to because it was obviously so life-changing for you. But I agree. It's follow mm-hmm. your nose, that intuition, listen to it. Yeah. I wonder too, with that sort of chipping away at those sort of underlying passions, like just reading your bio about the experience you had when you were a child on the highway in South Australia in summer when Mm. you saw the sheep being loaded on and your Mm. automatic response was empathy for the sheep and why aren't people caring, why isn't anyone caring about the sheep? Mm. So that's obviously inherent in your nature and in your character. And now you're able to do, you're doing, you work in the political party, but then you're also, you've got the life you can save. Yeah, hats off to you. That's really cool. It's a cool story. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've loved sharing parts of it with both of you. It's been really great. Oh, thank you. So that's it from Mm. us today. We'll put links to today's awesome guest, Louise Pfeiffer, including The Life You Can Save, in our show notes. Don't forget to stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 or email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. If you have a suggestion for a topic... (laughs) Sorry, Barry. (laughs) If you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like us to discuss or if you would like to put yourself or someone you know forward to... To be a guest, go to our website, don'tgiver50.com.au. And while you're there, sign up to be part of our 50-ish tribe. Also, and very importantly, please continue to rate and review our podcast and thank you to those who have already done so. Remember, gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is an absolute privilege and just being awesome is our right. And people, dig deep, donate, Mm. make a difference. Yeah, big or small. Good time now. (laughs) Dollar for dollar tax return. Thanks so much, It's like double dipping, really, isn't it? (laughs) Doing good, getting the money back and doing some more good. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Straight clearly, I'm not one of the smart smarts. (laughs) 
everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. 